I'm looking forward to introducing you guys to a really awesome health and wellness professional. Her name is Vera Ross. Vera and I have known each other for a long time, on and off throughout the years, and uh, I'm excited to showcase Vera and all her growth and her kindness and her goodness uh, with everyone. But I want to talk a little bit about her experience first. So as an independent health and fitness coach, Vera has worked with over 200 individuals and several corporations to implement strategies to create sustainable health positive behavior modifications. Through earning a Master of Public Health degree and becoming a Certified Health Education Specialist, Vera is uniquely prepared to work with clients towards achieving meaningful health goals. Owning and operating a thriving health and fitness coaching practice for over six years, Vera has been educating clients on all aspects of creating and maintaining healthy lifestyle behavior modifications. As a qualified and highly educated health coach, Vera is an effective agent of change, helping clients to create sustainable, lasting lifestyle modifications. Without further ado, I introduce to you guys, Vera Ross. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Great, how are you? I'm doing really, really well. Um, happy to be talking to you, Vera. Yeah, me as well. Thanks so much, Darian. Of course. Well, you know, it's interesting that we were conversing not too long ago. And uh, a lot of people that I talked to on the show, was, we've had conversations before. And you're actually probably one of the people I'm chatting with on the show who I've actually met in person. Before. Oh, wow. So you get the special honor. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> got to be a high honor. It is. I didn't know that was a smaller it's, group. It was definitely a small group. And I, I remember meeting you uh, like it was yesterday, actually, out in San Diego. That's so true. It was a good impression. I had a very good impression of it. So well, thank, thank you, you so much. And I appreciate yeah, the comment definitely. that you made last time, because I, I do feel like I've come such a long way from also that initial meeting, um, which I mean, like, spoiler alert, I was interviewing for a job that I had no business <laughs> probably interviewing for, but we've all been there, I think. So yeah, good learning experience. For everybody listening, you know, with uh, Vera, uh, I met her, I think, in a very different time in her life. And uh, she was kind of, you know, on the come up there. But I was still very impressed. And I think, you know, with lots of jobs and stuff, when you're, you know, I was doing an interview, but I wasn't the one making the decision mm. on things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it gets a little bit convoluted on things like that sometimes. Well, also too, and I mean, I'm sure you have experience, other people have experience when we don't get those things that, you know, we feel like um, maybe it is the right time and okay, I should go after this and I should be getting this and this should be happening right now. It kind of points us in different directions and, and leads us away from things that maybe weren't right for us at that time. So kind of, you know, you need to have those experiences to, to maybe like understand that, that feeling, but you know, wasn't a bad thing because I ended up out of that just, keeping going with my own personal training business and really building that up. So it, it was a confusing time, but born out of that confusing time was my first business. So, so tell me a little bit about the confusing time. <sighs> what was the confusion? Well, I think, and again, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm like just projecting this onto everybody else, but I certainly think it's a pretty common experience post four year degree, kind of trying to figure out where's my place in the world um, cause you know, Darian, I didn't go to medical school. I didn't go to law school. I didn't really, you know, my BA is in psychology. So unless you're getting an advanced degree in psychology, you can pretty much do any number of things with a, with a bachelor's in psychology. Right. So 
yeah. was kind of floating around out there. And um, I met who is I still consider today. She's one of my greatest mentors. And she got me into a certification course to become a personal trainer. I started um, group fitness training. And that's when I was interviewing for that job. I think the job that that I was interviewing with you for was for like some sort of fitness center manager, something like that. Yeah. And um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, I get so wildly unprepared for that job, unqualified for that job. But um, it was definitely during a time where I was like thinking to myself on a daily basis, what am I doing with my life? And for that struggle, you know, came my, my, my own personal training business in San Diego. So sometimes we need those moments of confusion and what am I doing to, to really actually clear things up for us. So, you know, where were you during that time? Like, uh, you know, socially, emotionally hmm. as well. Not in a, not in a horrible place. I had just gotten out of um, a previous romantic relationship that was probably less than healthy. You know, we say we are the company we keep. And again, unfortunately for me, I'm the type of person that needs to live experiences in order to understand lessons. At least that was the sort of person I was, you know, right around college age. And um, so I was, I was involved in pretty unhealthy lifestyle, working in restaurant bar industry, uh, drinking alcohol. Um, You know, actually this is a huge um, sort of confession for me, but I was a social cigarette smoker at oh, that okay. time. Yeah. So just definitely. And it was Darian, I can tell you the company I was keeping, not that they're bad people, not that anybody, you know, everybody makes their own decisions. It just wasn't well good fit for me. Okay. So I got around some other people. I got involved with, with the lady who's my mentor. I got into a new relationship that was healthier, both sort of, you know, emotionally. And we started working out together and we started eating healthier together and everything just kind of fell into place slowly but surely to point me towards personal training and group fitness instruction uh, at that time kind of turned my life around, to be honest with you, really turned my life around. It was interesting. I, I think the biggest thing when I spoke with you before the podcast and, and I, I think I like my show because I like it's about honesty and everybody comes on is like super honest. Right. And I encourage that to like, I'm like, hey, you know, if somebody can't take you for you, I don't know what to tell you. Well, it's also like, you know, I was a collegiate athlete. I'd never struggled with, I've struggled with disordered eating and disordered Mm -hmm. um, emotions and thoughts surrounding food. So I can definitely coach clients from that perspective, but I really can't coach from a perspective of weight loss or a weight loss journey. So I think sometimes I, I do open up, but it's not something I'm super proud about to say, hey, I used to smoke cigarettes socially. But I think that could yeah. be that good insight that says nobody's perfect. You know, we all have things, maybe I'm not wearing it on my sleeve, but we all have things that we feel like we need to overcome, habits that we need to break or, or healthier habits that we need to put into place. That's everybody. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, for me, I, I remember meeting you very clearly. And mm. And I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, Vera, when you said about the confusion and somewhat maybe unsure, I felt that a little bit. Okay. Time. Yeah, I, I'm I sure. See it, uh, but I also thought there was something there, too. I thought there was a lot of hard work and a greediness mm. that I personally liked. Um, but that was so, like, kind of blown away the last time we talked and you were on the phone. We were on the phone and you started talking. I'm like. Who is, who is this? Right. Well, it's been about six or seven years. So hopefully, you know, I've made that those positive strides forward, but yeah, man, just growing in the business, growing professionally. It's interesting to hear that reflected back from somebody who met me right when I was getting into the industry. That's kind of a cool, positive feedback. I, you know, I, I just, you were, you're very quiet kind of during the interview. I remember it very clearly and just kind of 
very measured and you seem very free hmm. right now. Interesting. And, uh, I think that's what, that's what came through when I talked to you the other day and I was like, Whoa, I'm like, this sounds like a very different person. Oh, awesome. Me. Okay, cool. I'm taking it as a compliment. I think maybe it's, it's just a, a, compliment. It's a, it's a couple years now, several years of just like talking to people for a living. It's probably brought that out of me. Well, you know, it doesn't always happen with everybody, though. It's, it's a lot of times you, you know, people are who they are and they kind of stay in the shell or wherever they're in a certain place. And you kind of see them and you go, man, you're this very similar person. And I, mm. I got a very different impression. And honestly, it, it made me want to have you on the show. I was like, you know what? This is a good story. That's this, good to know. Awesome. That's this great. is a positive thing. I'm telling you. Perfect. Great. So it was something I wanted other people to see that, you know, there's, you can see the growth because I, I definitely saw it big time. Oh gosh, I, that's so great to it. hear. But I too feel like that when you see people that you're really doing what they kind of like, I'm just so fortunate that I, A, I discovered what my passion is and B, I can make some money and, and help people uh, doing what I do. Cause I can tell you that I absolutely live my hobby and I live my passion. So I think maybe that's what's coming across. I think so. I think there's definitely uh, a big part of that. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to do, I want to kind of go backwards a little bit. I like to talk to people about kind of their time before they were in the business. So tell me a little bit about growing up and how you think that has, how, at least how it did or maybe is still affecting you. That is a, a really good question. So I'll just start talking. And then if you want to point me in any particular direction or stop just me, go for you know, it. just let me know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I grew up, you know, my parents got divorced pretty early on. So it was normal kind of bouncing back and forth between two very supportive households. I had step parents from a very early age. So mm. I just grew up with like four parents, which I thought for me, it was awesome. Cause I looked at the positives. It was like, great. Two holidays, two birthdays, you know, two sets <laughs> of vacations. And, um, so, you know, again, maybe a little early childhood stress, but who doesn't, man? Who doesn't have that? Um, I only remember really positive things. My parents never pushed me into sports. Um, so both my biological parents had found running later in life. Um, so they weren't ever competitive in high school and college, but then they started doing road races. And um, my dad got got pretty competitive into running and he, he would set up charity runs for his work, for his office. And I remember from a really early age, going with him and helping with those charity runs. And my parents being runners really informed me. I'm like, okay, I, I kind of got the idea that I wanted, or maybe it was expected that I would be active, but I was mm -hmm. never like pressured. Um, and then my stepdad growing up, he also, he introduced me to snow skiing, water skiing. So there was always outdoor activities. We lived on a river for a part of my, my childhood where we'd go water skiing right in the backyard. Um, so always doing active things. And then my parents did a good job of exposing me to like, I think I would say like, oh, gymnastics sounds fun. And then I tried gymnastics for a while. And right. now it's soccer. And I did soccer for a while. And then high school, basketball and volleyball and all the stuff. And then um, high school, I remember I got into cross country, my friends and I got into it because we thought somehow it would get us out of PE. Or I just remember getting into <laughs> it for like the wrong reasons, but yeah. then falling in love with it right away, because I immediately felt like the coaches, I wanted to be around the coaches because they, they did a really good job of getting you excited about it. And then I got good at it. So I kept going with that. And then just athletics kind of took over from there, from high school. That's where I found my friend group. That's really where I found my identity. So I think a lot of my, my life now was certainly strongly informed by 
that sense of identity, aligning my identity with being physical in some capacity, with being competitive within a physical arena. Um, and that sort of sisterhood, that feeling of camaraderie with your teammates, um, um, you know, the fraternity of sports, the, the sorority of sports. So that was my, that was, I think that's had a huge impact on the rest of my life, for sure, for sure. So where do you find yourself currently, you know, socially, emotionally, mentally, physically, you know, your, your well-being? These are heavy hitting questions. So it's, I mean, it's, yeah. This is how this works. Okay. (laughs) And why people always go, can you give me some questions ahead of time that we can discuss? I'm like, no, No. I I promise you, you're going to have plenty to talk about. Okay. Let's get into it. Where am I? So I do make a good. I think a good effort to check in with myself. Um, I did get my degree in psychology, which does inform, again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have an advanced degree in it or anything, but the, the background in it certainly um, informs my work with clients and with myself. Cause I think if you're in the fitness and health profession and you're not turning that lens onto yourself once in a while, a you're missing out and B I think it's kind of, I mean, we all have issues, right? I mean, sometimes I joke with my clients that I'm like a doctor who smokes cigarettes, you know, like I'll tell you what to do, <laughs> but then I'm over here, like whatever, not drinking enough water or, you know, having a cookie, I don't know, whatever I'm doing, that's not perfect. So we all have our own stuff, but if you're not sort of using your own, if I feel like if I'm not using my expertise or if I'm not growing my, myself along with my clients, then I'm doing a disservice ultimately to my clients because how dare I sort of advise without also especially with the mental stuff kind of turning inward. Um, I would say like generally a good place, but I definitely, and I have a little family history of depression. Um, There are some days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of a cloud today. Okay. Sometimes it lasts for a week, but I'm very aware to stay kind of present with that. And the bottom line is um, it was, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt who made the quote, get active. So when you feel Maybe we can use the word depressed. I've never been diagnosed with clinical depression. I'm not trying to sit here and say I live with clinical depression on a daily basis. That's a very serious thing. Um, But what I'm saying is when I feel those little moments of depression, I, the way I combat it, if I'm being, you know, proactive with it, I need to just get out. Even if it's just like leaving the physical location where I am, get outside, go for a walk, um, you know, go sit outside and work on the computer if I'm inside. So just kind of forcing myself to go and do something. Um, but for the most part, keeping track of when I'm feeling low, I think that's important um, in order to turn it around because I can't allow myself to be low and, and, and be a, a person who's a health coach and, and coaching others into a place of their health and well-being. Um, emotionally, I'm surrounded by great friends, great relationships. Everything is great with my family. Um, I really enjoy traveling. That's something that I kind of, that's my, I think my main hobby. Um, And I try to keep up with that as much as I can, as much as I can afford. And um, Mm -hmm. I would say headspace is very good. But yeah, I think that's a good question too, because it reminds me that it is a constant, for me anyways, I check in with myself a lot, almost on an everyday basis. Well, tell me a little bit about, I want to go back to a little bit about that lens. Mm -hmm. And uh, which I always think, you know, when two professionals are talking to each other that are doing a similar thing, you know, like we are, um, Tell me about that lens, elaborate a little bit more about looking back at yourself as a fitness, wellness, health professional, and what do you think clients think you should be in your role? Oh, wow. That is a great question. What do I think clients think I should be? 
I think this is, the hard this is yeah, this is, I think that they, gosh, because I don't want to like project things onto my clients, but I think maybe they think I, I have one client who likes to say that she thinks I eat rabbit food, which is, <laughs> is it true? <laughs> I eat a lot. Um, so let's see. I mean, I do pretty much all the things I would think that they assume that I do eating mostly good stuff good you know things that are, are nourishing my body and it also tastes good because good good food tastes good I'm not punishing myself there um getting adequate sleep I don't drink really unless I'm on vacation um I don't drink soda um gosh what else I'm not like snacking on candy all day I do work out every day um six days a week I do try to take one day a week off I probably I don't meditate that's not part of my practice right now. I think maybe they uh-huh. think that I would do more of that kind of stuff. What would, what would, uh, man, you never know if they're going to listen to this. Yeah, there you go. What would your clients be surprised about Shit. to learn about you? Dun, the- dun, dun. Um, what would they be surprised? Hmm. I know. Cause my clients know a lot about me. Cause you know, when you build that rapport with people, there's, you get that good relationship. There's not a lot. I don't think there's not a lot they don't know. What would they be surprised? Huh? I'm trying to think of something cool now. Like I speak <laughs> oh, you Mandarin. Cool, no, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what would they be? Su- okay. Okay. Here's one. Now this is like a dirty secret. So okay, let's a it. lot of times I fall asleep with the TV on uh-huh. and I really super tell people not to do that. <laughs> so that's my like embarrassing, so like, like I, I fall asleep with the TV on sometimes. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's an embarrassing I that's one. That's a I dirty think. secret, but, uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's embarrassing when you're telling people like, you really shouldn't do that. And then it's like, secretly I'm, you know, watching the office for the 30th time and yeah, you yeah, know. totally get it. So, you know, what's funny. I, I have a friend, I will not name this friend, okay. but I will say it's funny. Um, you know, she has mentioned to me, she's in the business too. And she goes, you know, I think my clients would be surprised to learn that I'm a total mess, but I hide it well. Oh, that's wait. What does she mean though? Like in terms of like cleanliness, just like the, her life is very, hmm. clean. and you know, that there's just, you know, a lot of people are keeping their head just above water. Or they're over oh, the that's perfect. Can I, sh- can I change my answer then? Okay. That one. Now, okay yeah. Let's go. See, I gave you some ammunition. Here we go. <laughs> that one. But I would say this. I don't, gosh, I'm not making as much money as my clients probably. Okay. But look at, I mean, I'm sitting, it's, it's a full disclosure. It's 12 PM on a Wednesday and I'm having a phone interview with a colleague, yeah. you know, so there's definitely a lifestyle trade that I, I would say that I do keep that a little bit of a secret. I'm not, you know, I'm not hurting. I just don't. Yeah. Mm, I made my trade. Let's just say that I trade my lifestyle and I don't make $200,000 a year right now. Sure. You know, sure. so that's it. But I don't feel like my life is, you know, I guess I could say sometimes I feel like my life is a little bit messy. Sure. In what way? What does that mean? Oh, goodness. You? Yeah. Like disorganized. Um, I'm not really like a, a life planner. Yeah, this is actually a good one. I'm not really a life <laughs> planner. I just kind of go with the flow. Okay. I, I don't think I got that impression of you. Oh, no, really? Okay. No, I, I don't. I don't have that impression of you. So it's uh, somewhat surprising huh. to hear that. Yeah. Okay. I go with the so, flow in the sense of like, I'm not planning like the next 10 years of my life. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So long range. Sure. Type of things. Yeah. No, I get that. Mm-hmm. I definitely get that. I think there's this thing with clients, like 
you're thinking yourself, okay, how do these people think I live my life, you know, as somebody that's in the health and wellness field? Am I, you know, always doing these things, these things? Am I always eating very well and all, and all that? And uh, I think, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people in the business who feel a lot of pressure to live up to that. I don't feel pressure. I do feel like it's an unspoken secret that sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the violin prodigy or the, you know, the, I don't know, the CEO at 21. It's, it's kind of like a secret that I'm good at this stuff because I like yeah. it. Therefore I'm more apt to do, I want to, I wake up and I want to like go to work and then I want to work out and then I want to eat my healthy food and then I want to drink my water and then I want to, you know, X, Y, Z. And then I want to do a second workout. It's just, you know, cause I like it. So right. it's not, I don't feel pressure. I don't feel forced to live the lifestyle that I help other people. And it's not my brand of lifestyle. I, I help clients. I introduce them to some tools and some tricks that they can implement in, in whatever works for their lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but I, I implement those things out of just enjoyment. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. it was, you know, so I think, you know, this uh, honesty, it has to go both ways on this. And I, I never come on here and I go, oh, you know, you tell me all these things. Yeah. And I'll just and sit just, back. And, right. So you're going to get some of my stuff. Okay. Too, here for this. Um, and, and I told myself when I started this podcast that it d doesn't matter what I say on here in terms of if people find out things about me that are different, because you know what, at least I'm my authentic self. Right. And, going to be what you're going to be, but I definitely don't feel any pressure to live up to um, the business I'm in, even though I, if you look at me, I look extremely fit. Uh, I feel extremely fit. Mm -hmm. I've, I've always been very fit. I enjoy working out, but I, I work out three days a week. Nice. Uh, very intensely. Um, but all my clients think I work out like every day, or mm -hmm. at least they used to for that. Um, but I think there's also an element of me that fitness is not something I want to be defined by. For some reason, it's just never been my thing. Hmm. Um, I've always been very fit. And you could pick me out of any place and go, wow, that's probably one of the fitter people, blah, blah, blah. Right. I just, I do not, I do not like being defined by it huh. at all. Well, what yeah, would you weird. say it's that you, you would like to be defined by? Uh, you know, just uh, being a good person, how, how I encourage other people. Um, that they felt comfortable around me, that, that I cared about their social and emotional wellness more than anything else, hmm. um, that we became close to each other and that they know that I really cared about them. And that also that I was willing to take, that, I, that I, I'm, I'm willing to be, take chances, experiment on things. Like uh, I have not said this publicly, but I've definitely done mushrooms before. Okay. That was probably one of the most enlightening experiences I'd had in my entire life. Well, I hear uh, they're like looking into mushrooms for things like medicinal purposes and also that, yeah, it is one of those like psychotropic drugs that opens yeah. some doors psychologically for people. Yeah, I uh, actually, one of my clients got me to do it. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Funny. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I've, I'm very transparent with my clients in the things that I've done. And, and actually, most of this stuff experimental has been very recent within the mm. last five years of my life. And, you know, I spent a lot of time researching things, looking into it. And, I, you know, I think uh, the psychedelic drugs on some element, especially psilocybin, is something I'm a huge proponent of. Right. And, and it's not just me. There's states like Colorado that are trying to legalize it. 
to actually make it a thing. Because that's tremendous medicinal. Correct. And it's my understanding that part of the legalization process is for some of these, what have been up until recently in a lot of places like Colorado, you mentioned controlled substances, is that we can't really study them scientifically the way we need to until we legalize them. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And then a lot of this stuff, especially like, uh, you know, um, psilocybin or psychedelic drugs, there's there's just been a huge stigma on it by agencies, you know, making everyone drugs. And really, it's for a lot of things that people follow what they hear in the news and stuff, but they don't recognize, like these things were largely studied in the 60s and early 70s. Yes, they were. Making huge headways into the benefits of it and then that went away but now it's coming back in places like john hopkins and different centers are really using it to break addiction that's very cool well then and we can also make the argument on the flip side i'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, but look where no. quote traditional quote western medicine in the form of these right. pharmacologicals have gotten us lately with the abuse and the off-label uses of these of these medications these prescription medications yeah. So we can't yeah. just say that because something is legal that it's necessarily not harmful and I, vice I versa. Totally, yeah, totally. And I, I know for me, I had such a powerful experience that honestly was one of the big factors for me leaving Las Vegas. And oh my goodness. Moving up to Washington because I felt such a tremendous connection to nature because of it. And I think it, it made me, it grew me closer to my wife. Oh, that's great. Mom. So you had like uh, a big kind of a breakthrough moment. Not a huge breakthrough. Yikes, that's cool. Breakthrough. And uh, it it changed my life. And, uh, you know, it's not for everybody and not like everything, you know. Right. But uh, I think, you know, I'm more willing to, you know, be open-minded to those things, Uh, marijuana and stuff. Not that I'm a huge user, but I do use sometimes. Sure. Well, it does. It has its place as well. I mean, I've known, you know, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus who doesn't want to be thrown under the bus, but, you know older people who you know they've served their country in the military they've had long illustrious professional careers um in this one anecdotal case i know of they're using medicinal marijuana because they don't want to use the synthetic they're they're an educated professional person who doesn't want to use a synthetic right potentially really physiologically addictive substance he you know they'd rather try the the natural thing first and so far it's working so like you yeah. said, you can't just take the big news items and kind of run with those those uh, no. scare tactics a lot of the time. Not at all. And yeah. so I think it kind of goes back to like, it was funny when I started telling some of my clients that I was doing some of these things. I think they were pretty surprised because I'm also probably considered a very straight-laced person by a lot of people. Sure. Uh, that know me pretty well. So they were like, wow, you're doing it. And but, but part of that was by design to say, hey, listen. You know, you see me, I'm a pretty responsible, mm-hmm. uh, fairly straight-laced person. Even I'm trying. And then what it, can you okay. say about people much like yourselves who go to the jungle, the Amazon, and they take the ayahuasca or what is it? And yeah, they want yeah, to, they have, we want to have a healing experience. They want to yeah. overcome some trauma. So these are in other cultures already recognized um, uses for these psychotropic substances. Yeah, I mean, I, more and more people, I think there's just a stigma, like when I told a bunch of people that I knew in my life that I, you know, had done mushrooms and other, and they were like, wow, I, aren't you like afraid of like, you know, like what people will think? I'm like, no, because um, I'm too old for that. <laughs> for you, yeah. I'm in my exactly. 40s. I really don't care. Yeah. And if that changes how you feel about me, then we never had anything anyway. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. 
it just is, it is what it is. And I think sometimes the pressure going back to that, Hey, what do your clients think you should be mm -hmm. like can be often very different than what you actually are like. Right. But it's interesting you say that because the longer I'm in the business and my, you know, a business is shifting and changing constantly, but, but the longer I'm in it, the more I recognize that like, they do want to see who you are and yeah. not like, you know, take it or leave it. I don't need my clients for financial security because I do. Right. But if somebody is going to not work with me because they, I guess, see the quote real me, I mean, I don't know what to say because my whole business is being me. So I don't think there's too much. I don't think there would be too much of a difference between what my clients think that I'm like and what I'm really like. That's good. That means you're probably pretty honest with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm in bed at like 830 or 9. I'm really boring. Um, but again, it all goes back to like, I really like that. That's just how I prefer to be. Regardless yeah. of if this was my job or not, I'd probably be that same person. You'd probably be doing the same mm -hmm. things, regardless of that. Well, it's in that's interesting. I, again, the show is a platform for people to understand the real people, who you are. And this goes out. They're going to find out about you, Vera. There you go. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's kind of the idea, right? Yeah, of course. You that's know, my social idea. network is full of a bunch of imperfect people, including myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it, you know, I was talking to a performance psychologist the other day, uh, Katerina Miller, and we were talking about, you know, vulnerability and, and, and courage and, you know, a lot of things with like Brene Brown and and then uh, Courtney uh, Warren is one of my clients and stuff like that. And I just think hopefully people are opening their eyes to it's okay to just be vulnerable, be yourself, and and people will meet you where you are. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also something good for for potentially people who would reach out to a health professional um, would would feel as well. Because I, you know, a small example is when I'm asking clients to food journal. I always tell them, please don't like give me what you think I want to see. <laughs> don't give me like this gold star version of like what you think your health coach wants to see on your food journaling. If I don't know where you are, I can't help you from there. Right. So Definitely. it's, it, it, you know, we need to be vulnerable when we're making those changes and we need to be vulnerable with our clients on the flip side of that so that they kind of have that buy-in. Oh, this isn't a perfect person. This person is also walking the walk. It is because it's truly what it is. Every day I make health decisions, just like I coach clients right. on. Every day I'm almost, I'm at the grocery store almost every day because I shop. Yeah. I just, it's just me. So I just shop for me. So I make food decisions every day. I make a conscious decision. Am I going to move my body uh, in a, you know, in an intentional exercise way today? Am I going to take a break from exercise today? You know, so any, every almost minute of the day is a, is a decision. It's a health decision. So tell me a little bit about how you feel the state of our industry is currently. Oof. Okay. So personal training or health coaching? Let's go with, uh, let's just go with wellness okay. in general. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the whole, the full spectrum. Um, I think it's kind of from the consumer's perspective, confusing, sure. confusing because there's so many different terms that people can either call themselves or people like you and I who have actually earned the credential mm -hmm. to call ourselves a health coach, to call ourselves doctor, to, you know. Um, so I think a lot of confusion for the consumer, um, especially with the companies who have the big advertising bucks to sell us diet products, um, 
and just almost, you know, definitely intentionally misleading health information in order to sell their products. Um, So I I feel for the average consumer, there's information, there's too much information. And unfortunately, especially food manufacturers and the diet industry have, they know how to um, spin that information in order to sell products without actually giving you the full picture of the information that they're using. Right. So like, a stupid example is slapping a gluten-free label on a box of cornflakes. Never had gluten in it. Okay. But now they, they know that people are concerned about gluten in the diet. So they put gluten-free on the box of cornflakes. And now they're going to sell you more cornflakes. Because you now we're confusing the term gluten-free, which doesn't necessarily mean better for you. Right. We're conflating that now with gluten-free equals health food. Gluten-free equals, I don't know, less calories. I, you know, I, it's hard to imagine what the consumer thinks, because I think, you know, it's my opinion that their thinking has been so intentionally manipulated. Right. Right. So I think it's, it's confusing big time. What would you say? I would agree with, I think, uh, Oh man, Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've been, I've talked about this quite a bit offline with people, which is why also I wanted to have the show to talk about it. Yeah. Get it out to people and the responsibility of, um, credentialed and um, you know formally trained professionals. I, I used to think, oh, I don't know if that's my responsibility to put that out there, and you know, I'm just gonna put my head down, do my right. thing. And as I got older, I'm like, no, people need to hear from us mm-hmm. because what they're hearing from is influencers. Exactly. They're well, from. they're hearing from sponsored. I want to like cut my hands and like yell this: sponsored, paid <laughs> people who are paid by the people who are selling the product. Right. Right. So if you see somebody who's like maybe there, have some glammed up video and they're, you know, some of a, of a professional model, let me just interrupt you to say, yeah, right. And that person's ingesting something and more than likely they have no clue what it is. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what it's actually doing to their body. And it's just, it's just, they're trying to be influenced. Mm -hmm. I think wellness has become the new social elite thing uh, for people. Yeah. It's like and obviously it's it's very big in you know your coastal cities and things of that nature. But this whole like instead of spending money on on a Ferrari or a Bugatti and all these things, it's like, well I'm gonna spend money on a lot of health and wellness items. Correct. And products. Products and you know companies like Goop and all this other stuff. They're just capitalizing on this this human need to try to improve themselves without really knowing how to improve themselves. Right. Or why? Like, why are you doing yeah. this? You know? So we're hearing from people who are not really informed. Like I always tell people, I'm like, something comes out this or that. I just sit back and wait it out. Yes. Because it's often not good. And it's not lasting. It, you know? Perfect keyword. Yeah. There's too much information. And I think I get, if I had to zero in on exactly what, I'm frustrated with it's the taking of anecdotal evidence. Mm-hmm. I'm whatever. I'm glad keto worked for you. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that tea worked for you. I'm glad that body wrap worked for you, the individual person. That's great. But we're taking that in anecdotal evidence and then using that to prescribe these really subjective diets to everybody you need to do this you should this is the new way to lose weight this is the new way to you know 
tone tone up or whatever the new thing is you know this is for everybody you need to do this when everybody is different you know what my body will respond to your body might not respond to my clients it won't work for her what might work for somebody else and I think at the end of the day Darian that's our responsibility is to kind of step in and say hey good news the good news is you can stop wasting your money on all this stuff because it doesn't work and it's not for you the even better news is you get to do you know, harder work, but at the end of the day, you'll have that, that expert knowledge about your own body because your own body is different than anybody else's own body. And anybody who tries to sell you something differently is just manipulating you. Totally. Cause they want your money. It, what the hard part about it is now you have this, this, this huge influencer population of people mm-hmm. on social media that, you know, you get people, they're very gullible. They fall into those things. People just, Darian, it's the self-help thing, right? People just want to improve. Like you said, we're always striving for, okay, what's next? Okay, I did that. Now what's next? But what's, you know, what's the deficit? What's wrong with you? Why do, that would be my first question. Why do you feel like you need to, that's the first question I ask anybody when they call me for a strategy session, when they come in for a consultation, why now? Why this now? Why now? Hmm? Yeah, that's. That's actually really well said, I think, because it's, you know, there's this there's element of readiness. I'm at this point. What led me to this here? But it's just who are you listening to? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the, the state of the industry. There's I don't want to be all negative and stuff. No, this there's is lots helpful. of great things. And yeah. I think there's but I also think there's it's good to inform people and say, hey, listen, I understand that you may be on Instagram or something and you're and you see these beautiful people and they're drinking this drink or they're doing these exercises and you think, man, I, I want to be like that person. But like, well, who are you though? First, you know, mm-hmm. like you're trying to achieve something that is maybe it's not for you. That's you a know? great question. And I, I, I'm watching Mad Men for the first time, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like a couple years late to the party, but it's all about, you know, for anybody who doesn't know the show, it's all about the advertising people in the 50s and 60s. And it, that show, you would think, oh, how does that, how can you learn anything from that show? I mean, A, it's just a show, so it's totally fictionalized. B, it's not about anything that is relevant to my life, you would think. But what I'm learning when I'm watching this show is that we can apply what we see in that dramatized version of advertising agencies directly into what's happening with these social media influencers. And it's not, people are really, really educated. So how do we have people in the year 2019 looking at these social media accounts and being bamboozled? It's marketing. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. It's brilliant, but it's, it's, um, pernicious. It's, um, it's on purpose. It's intentional. They could sell pencils. Okay. The diet industry doesn't care. The diet industry doesn't have a passion about selling healthy food or healthy products. They could sell anything. They just want to, they want profit. And the easiest yeah. way, the, my biggest thing about the diet industry is why would they sell us something that would work? That's so counterintuitive to their whole industry. They need us to keep coming back. Yeah. Why well, would they ever sell us something that works? That's true. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I remember watching uh, the comedian Chris Rock. And one of my favorite things he said in one of his stand-ups was, and he said, you know, there's no, there's no money in a cure. You know, it's mm. like. Why would you cure something? You know, these, they don't want to cure right. anything. They want to keep you sick and keep you buying things. That's a little true. Right? It's kind of yep. like, you know, if you eradicated something, I mean, we have eradicated th- certain things in life. But, sure. 
you know, you think this, the, I guess I'm saying like this, the whole wellness movement, like, I like that more people are being into wellness and sure. looking at their lives and saying, Hey, this is, this is pretty interesting. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to be, uh, more well, I want to increase my well being and a lot of different things, but who are you getting the information from? Correct. That's a good question. And if you don't mind, I'm going to start asking people that that's a really great qualifier. Well, it's just, you know, people are swayed so much by what they're seeing on their phones and the different applications that they're logging into. And those people, they, they, they just may not be the most credible people. And I just read something online recently in articles that more and more people are pushing back against influencers about what are their credentials, who are these people actually, you know, just because you have a great body doesn't mean you know anything about Correct. And I've gotten to the point too, and what you were saying a few minutes ago, I'm at the point where it's no longer, oh, I'm just going to ignore that post on social media. Oh, I'm just going to not listen to what that person's saying. No, because it's very much our responsibility to come in and say, hey, wait a minute, what exactly are you telling people? Um, You know, and what is your background and what is your level of expertise to to be able to tell people that I work part time in a cancer center and I give seminars to the patients and caregivers and staff in there about how physical activity can help with everything from mitigating the side effects of cancer-related treatment to how it can be supportive for the caretakers of the, of the patient and so on and so forth. So many people come to these seminars. Another part of the seminar is they do cooking demonstrations. And um, another uh, really, really overqualified doctor, she gives um, um, chats about um, what kinds of foods you can be eating, food safety courses, on and on and on. Darian, people come to these seminars asking, le- legitimately asking, will kale cure my cancer? Will celery juice help me? And on and huh. on and on. And that to me makes me so, I want to use an expletive, but I'm not going to. It makes me so <laughs> upset because it's not harmless to tell people that celery juice will cure their cancer. And this, this, I've seen this. I've seen posts about celery juice cures you know, whatever it lowers toxic liver heat. If you can explain to me what toxic liver heat heat is, I'll give you a gold star. I, I don't know right. what you're talking um, about. No. Exactly. So it's not just it's not harmless. It's people who really are, are have these afflictions and they're looking for all sources of information. I can't imagine the panic that must arise when you've been told that you have a deadly disease and you you start to look for all of these sources of help and information because you're scared. And now here's somebody telling you that kale is going to cure your cancer or drinking celery juice is going to help to shrink your tumors. It's so harmful. And it's, it's, it's kind of honestly almost disgusting. Drink celery water if you want to. It's not going to give you any health benefits. You know, it's just so I, I'm, I'm getting like to the end of my rope with people making these baseless claims because it's harmful. It's very harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I find that fairly amazing that you're hearing that stuff. But know, this just goes to show you, educated people <sighs> hear these ideas or they read an online article and they think, okay, you know, that sounds good. Right? It's so scary. Hello. Hello. All right. All right. Okay. Okay, everyone. So in case you didn't know, I'm having some technical difficulties sometimes, but that's just how it gonna, it's going to happen sometimes. But Ross on awesome, awesome conversation. And uh, so let's pick up before um, was asking about wellness and the positive things that you're seeing. 
Oh, yeah. And then something that, that you mentioned is that people are interested. So people are listening. Um, I think most people either themselves are directly affected or they have a family member or somebody that they know closely that is um, affected by what we're calling now a, a chronic lifestyle related illness. So this is, you know, pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, some heart disease, obesity, and those concomitant, um, those things that go along with, with obesity. Um, so people are fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, um, because of negative medical news. Um, that's, I see a lot of people coming to me because a doctor has recommended them that they need to make these changes uh, or they're going to get very, very sick. Um, so I think people are motivated by what they're seeing. And people are motivated by, I think, what they're experiencing in their lives. Maybe they want to have more energy. Maybe they're, they're not sold out on all the foods that they're eating. Maybe they just don't feel great. Um, you know, it's in the news. It's in the media. So all of the things that I also kind of like detract from and like, oh, you shouldn't listen to all these news reports about keto and, oh, you shouldn't listen right. to all these things about celery juice and whatever. The fact is, Darian, is that like it's, it is good news that these things are in the public eye. And that they're on the, the, the mind of, of most people, because it is going to, the change is going to start at that individual level. It's going to start person to person. So until we start getting these big sort of population wide policies enacted, which takes a super long time and we need a bunch of scientific data to support those changes until we, we get there, it is going to be individual people on that individual level making those changes. So that's what excites me is that people are interested. People are educating themselves. Where do you think it's all headed? Like, if you, if you look at it, you say, man, where is this going hmm. with wellness and health? Okay. Um, more in, I think what we're going to see is more integration into our, you know, air quotes, traditional medical system here in the United States. You're going to see more people like myself working in a clinical capacity. So we're going to be working more in conjunction with doctors. I think you're going to see more of a regular trend of both fitness trainers and health coaches coming in as part of a team because we have data from can uh, countries like Canada and the United Kingdom that show more positive health outcomes for patients when a health coach is introduced as part of that part of that process. Because currently in this country, I mean, I don't know when the last time you went to a doctor is, but she can see you for like 10 minutes, maybe she can't possibly cover all the things. Like, let's say I go and I'm presenting with like pre-diabetic levels, blood sugar levels. Okay. She, my physician has, there's zero time for her to consult me about my lifestyle activities, uh, including my nutrition, my diet patterns, and my patterns of physical activity. You need somebody else in there who has the time to spend with those patients on that individual level. And that's the health coach. So you're going to see more um, folks like myself and fitness trainers in directly involved in medical practices. Where do you think uh, it's going to go in terms of the the, uh, the social media or digital. Oh, geez. Component. We're jumping the shark on that one. Um, I think it's almost <laughs> over. This is just my opinion. I'm not an expert. I'm certainly not a social, social media expert. But just from like the consumer, like, don't you feel like as a consumer, at least I do have social media. I'm like, God, like, when is this going to be over? Like, I have fun with it. But okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, this is, it's overwhelming. The first I've talked to that has said that you think it jumped the shark and like, it's almost over. I, explain more of that. I, I'm fascinated. So I thing. love the positive things. You know, the, the, I get business off of Instagram. People find me on there. I can show videos. I can explain things. Great. But when I switch over to my personal accounts or even when I'm browsing through, cause I have way more people on my business account. I have more of what you would call social media influencers, fitness 
influencers and on and on. Darian, I start to feel sort of badly about myself because I start Mm -hmm. to compare myself to the people that I see on social media to the point where I have to self-talk myself and say, whoa, you're comparing yourself to imaginary people on the internet, put your phone down. So at least on my personal level, that's where it gets sort of like in the way of me enjoying my own life. I have fun with it. I love to post my vacation photos on my personal account. I love to post funny stuff for my friends on my business account is a totally other, it's a totally different animal. I like it for business. I think it's great for business, but I think honestly, like we have to maybe change the culture surrounding it a little bit because if I'm a grown woman and if I'm, and I feel pretty secure about myself, if I get insecure going on the gram, Mm -hmm. then what, how is a teenager, you know, who's still grappling with their, their sense of self in the world, you know, comparing themselves to models on Instagram. How does that person feel? You know? Yeah. So tell me what you think. Uh, You said, I think it's almost over. What Hmm. are the indications you're seeing that you think that's happening? Oversharing. And sort of like, sometimes I look at people's accounts and I'm like, okay, why have you posted this? A lot of it is like superfluous. I like going on there and learn, like listening to people talk about, things that I'm not an expert in. I love going on there and watching other people's workouts and like maybe getting an idea of, of something fun to try on my own and keeping up with my friends and my family. It's great. But I think there's, it's like too much sometimes too much sharing. This is just one woman's opinion. Yeah. Too no, much it's sharing right. sometimes. It's a good woman's yeah. opinion. I think it's uh, I, I wanted to piggyback off that just because, uh, well, one, my personal feelings are I can't wait for it to be over. Yes, okay, uh, <laughs> great, yeah. And two, um, actually read a very interesting uh, article with Mark Zuckerberg, you know, who created Facebook, and he said he feels like it's coming to an end, too. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he said he knows for a fact that people are exhausted of Facebook. It's tiring. And that people are actually starting to go into smaller subgroups and make things more private. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the what you just said, the oversharing, like there's there's an exhaustion. And a, lot, a lot of things that come out don't last. This has had a very long run, but I tell you, I'd be pretty ecstatic if uh, it was over. I'd be like, good. Can we go back to normal? I think so. <laughs> the one I people. will say, I think LinkedIn is good, but it's yeah. definitely LinkedIn. What I've noticed how I've been using it, it seems like it's much, much better for self-employed people. Because I look at LinkedIn as a platform... And, and Instagram to a lesser extent, but these are platforms where I need to showcase, you know, as a professional, you showcase your expertise. So other people kind of know what you're up to. But other than that, like you said, it, it's kind of tiring, right? That's a good way to put it. Well, you know, what's funny. I used to have probably every social media you could have. Mm-hmm. This was years ago, probably like five, six years ago. And I entered the exhaustion phase a long time ago. All right. And so I just got rid of everything with the exception of uh, LinkedIn. And then, um, you know, my consulting management company, we have an Instagram page, mm-hmm. but I actually hate, sorry, I hate posting on that. So I don't do it. Look, Darian, I, th- I, I want to thank you so much for saying that because I will go weeks sometimes and I've gotten better about it, but weeks without posting on my business account on Instagram, because it's like psychologically draining sometimes draining. to even get on there. And I don't know yeah. what that is. You got to have content constantly yeah. and be on there all the time. And, and, and you've seen it. There's, there's studies about this. And then there's, and there, you know, people are very intelligent people talking about it is 
if you don't keep up with it, you know, people get disinterested. Which is, du- I mean, look, I'm not, I'm sure it's great. If you're making a buck off Instagram, good for you. You've figured right. out, you've figured out how to do it. I am not. So that's part of the other reason. It's like, that's not, social media is not my job. So that's where it gets frustrating right. for me. Yeah, I want to post videos and I want people to like learn from the stuff that I put up there. But like, that's not my bread and butter. So sometimes I'm on, I'm like, what am I doing? You know? It's just weird. Mm-hmm. I think it's really odd. Like, it's when my, my brother is a, is a very accomplished uh, indie artist, uh, hip hop artist. Oh, cool. He travels all over the world. He has a very huge fan base. And he's selling out stadiums and stuff in like Lithuania and stuff. It's yeah. crazy. And he hates social media. That's I mean, good we were, to hear. I went home last week. It's interesting, right? From a musician's point of view, I went to visit my parents and visit my brother. They live near each other. He goes, this is just like a full-time job doing social media. I'm sick of it. He was like, I post my Instagram like three times a week. And it just feels like, it just feels like too much. Right. Just, he said, now I kind of have to do this with, you know, fans and stuff. He said, it's just, it's overloading him. And I see this general fatigue that's happening with people. Yeah. It's just blowing them apart. I know? like this though, because I feel like you're almost give, giving me permission to... <laughs> Because I feel like, and this makes me feel even dumber, Darian, because then I'm like, if I'm not on there, I'm like, oh, people will notice that I'm not. No, they don't. Like, nobody cares no. if I don't post a stupid workout video. Like, no they offense to myself. Like, nobody Honestly, cares. They don't you know? care. Yeah. They really don't care because people are generally wrapped up in the whirlwind of their life, mm-hmm. which is consuming them. Right. And it's very difficult to be about other people. Yeah. And I'm, uh, for me, uh, it's just like, okay, I need people to know what I do. I need to advertise right. my business. That's it. If I can ever, yes. st- I mean, if you can, I guess I want most, I want my, my marketing to be online, but, uh, I don't know. But at what cost? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. To like, what am that? I really, so... it's not work, you know, it's, it's like, it's imaginary. <laughs> I mean, it, literally it is. It's imaginary. <laughs> Yeah, I never thought about it that way. But yes, I think it's what what price are you willing to pay? Like I could go out there and put on all this stuff, but it would it would drastically change how I interact the time I have with my family, my friends. And it's like you said, you know, it's like 12 something and I'm having uh, I'm on a podcast, yeah. you know, a pretty long one at that, which is what I like. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the other thing is like, I feel like just the talking format is lost with people. Hmm. And so talking is something I enjoy doing and having this podcast, I felt extremely led to do this podcast. It was like a train yeah. running through me. That's a great wife, feeling. I have to do this. Like, cool. I'm not getting any monetary value out of it. It's literally just because I like to help other people and I want them to be exposed. And like, I want your business to grow from being on here. It may be very Oh, sure. But that, that just means, you know, business. the reason I like oh. doing these things, Darian, is because like, I just want you know, money comes naturally, I guess I, I'm blessed to say that, but my focus is like, I need people to understand how I can help them. So if you're interested in my help, here's what it is that I do. But you know, you put it perfectly. I think when we're on social media, I could take an hour and craft a post and I can write it out on my computer. I can go and I can edit it and I can make sure that I'm saying it just perfectly and crafting this nice little message, which is great. But there's also so much like we talked about so much in this conversation that wouldn't have come up if you had given me the questions ahead of time. And if I'd sat down and written my answers out. So I think this is the, the conversational medium 
is isn't lost but but i think doing things like this brings it back into the forefront this is like infinitely more valuable than just writing out some you know 10 reasons to drink more water on instagram or whatever because <laughs> you can sit all day and you can cite references and you can make sure that it's put together perfectly and it's great and it's polished yeah. but more comes out from these type of just open-ended conversation yeah, that you wouldn't just... expect Human beings are storytellers. We tell stories throughout our history, our timeline, and we pass those stories on to people and we have conversations with each other. And the best times I've had in my life are just hanging out with somebody, having a beer, talking about the, you know, the cosmos and talking about science and, and love and art. And those things leave impressions upon me. Not I never saw a social media post. Every time I see it, I'm like, this seems skeptical. I'm skeptical. Of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? This seems so contrived to me. Isn't it? Like, it makes and your tooth hurt. Like, it's just too sweet. That happy. Like, yeah. Nobody's that happy uh. all the time. And you know what? That's unhealthy to be. You thinking you're constantly happy. You're going to have a bad day here and there. Exactly. Part of being alive, the spectrum of emotions. And I just think wellness is next up. Hmm. It's, it's 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 what's it's what's hot right now i want people to be well but oh yeah it's just that it's being marketed and monetized yes. as the latest new thing well and that's the thing too it's like i mean i brought it up at the beginning of of the podcast um i don't need a million dollars so that's just sort of like a personal thing but like dude i'm not going to make a million dollars doing this and if that's your focus <laughs> like that's fine but you should do something else because this is definitely i think the best of us it is our lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I would just say that from personal experience. How the heck am I going to tell somebody how to be healthier and happier if I'm not happy and healthy most of the time? I, I You know what? I, I never got into this business tr to become like this filthy rich person. Mm -hmm. And can it happen to some people? Sure. Great. Some people are built in these great things. Yeah. But I just feel like the consumption level yes. you have to have to in order to achieve that is not desirable. Well, sure, Jerry. And it's like, I mean, look at your life. And I mean, I look at my life and I'm like, cool. I take vacations whenever I want to. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a tidy little apartment. Like I can buy food. You know, yeah. things are great. Things are great. And it's not, it's not that I don't think money is important. It's just like, I also don't think buying the latest name brand handbag is important i don't think that having a bmw <laughs> is important you know what i mean like, i don't think that these sort of what that's not important to me what what's important to me is how i'm spending my time and how i'm using my money to spend my time better well it's interesting you say that i do think there is some level of awakening for people and uh current level of people because we're not we're not, you know, hunter gatherers anymore. Mm -hmm. We have more convenience than ever and we have more time. And so we're able to think about, you know, I was talking to one uh, clinical psychologist about this and she was saying, you know, we have more time now than we've ever had in the history right. of humanity to think about things like happiness and uh, meaningfulness and what our lives are actually about. So I think people are actually trying to explore that, but it's just, how do you, Happiness is not a pill. You sure. Know, that you're it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of hard work involved to become happy, to feel fulfilled. And it's not the fulfillment of how much can I consume to make a tremendous amount of money. Right. 
I think you're right. Culturally, we're at that point where a lot of people, we see it as tropes in movies and books, right? Like the rich woman wakes up and she's not happy or fulfilled. And why, you know, so everybody's starting to come to this point where it's like, yeah, money is important. I'm not trying to sit. I don't live in a yurt, like on land, you know, like I'm very much living in the real world. I need to pay for my health insurance. I got to pay rent. I got to do all these things. But at what cost do you need however many extra thousands a month? You know, what are you, what are you working so hard for? I think people are starting to evaluate that more. And especially I'll just end it this way because this is something I tell clients, you're going to pay for it one way or the other. So you're either going to work your butt off for somebody else, make a couple million dollars, but then perhaps you've neglected your health the whole time you were busy working. So now you get to use all that hard-earned money on like medications and doctor's visits and stuff. Or you can have a little more balance, maybe not work for somebody else as much, mitigate that stress level, invest your money into your own health now and fitness now. So in the back end, you don't have to to waste a bunch of money on, yeah. on uh, medicine and stuff. That's true. So well, I wanted to, you know, just a few more things yeah. here uh, with you, but where, where do you see yourself in the next, you know, I know you're not, yes. you're not the 10 year person, but where do you want to be? Oh, where do you see yourself? like happy, happy yeah. and traveling more. Happy and traveling yeah. more. I like that. So what's the happy part? Ooh. What is that? that's I mean obviously this is so stupid to say it out loud that's really subjective um gosh just like keeping on keeping up basically what I'm doing now spending time with loved ones with family spending time I love my work so helping a greater number of people is definitely up there expanding my work to help more people on that individual Mm -hmm. level is definitely where I see myself Cause that's really tied in with my happiness. So I guess like at the end of the day, I'm just a really selfish person, Darian. Cause I, <laughs> my whole work is just to make myself feel better about helping other people. No, but seriously, just, yeah. Seeing the business grow in that, in the, in the way I'm framing that is, is, is helping a greater number of people. And where do you think you've, you know, I would say, I guess, since we talked that first time when I met you, where do you think you've made the most growth in your life? Great question. Probably personally, but that's kind of leaked out into all other aspects of my life. Just making myself more responsible, more accountable to my, for my own life, for my own actions and decisions, and really taking more ownership in my life. Um, a lot of people have, I think they don't know that they have a victim's mentality. And it's something that I try mm-hmm. to empower people to understand it's not bad news that you're in charge of your life. That's the best news ever. You're in charge of your health to a certain extent. You're in charge of your finances. You're in charge of your happiness. Um, Certainly I think a hundred percent you're in charge of your happiness. So let's control the variables that we can control in your health. You know, we can't beat genetics right now. We can't, we can't do too much about that, but let's control your lifestyle activities to make you the healthiest we can there. Um, You know, let's, let's really kind of, um, yeah, just make that the healthiest, happiest version of, 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 of each individual. And that comes down to your owning it. So personal development, I think, but that's definitely informed the other aspects of my life. So kind of on a different thing. So what are you, what are you watching these days? What shows or uh, are you watching that man? I highly recommend this. What is it? Oh, you're asking me, do I highly recommend? No. So I, as a, I'm like, I only have Netflix and Hulu. I got rid of cable like a really long time ago. You're just like me. I'm the yeah. same way. Um, so again, I'm watching Mad Men for the first time. 
Uh-huh. I'm almost done. I like it. Um, but people have probably seen that already. Uh-huh. Um, oh my gosh. What should people watch? This is embarrassing. I don't know. Saturday. <laughs> I like Saturday Night Live. I like to laugh. I, I used to be into food really? documentaries, and a, but I'll tell you, Darian, I ran into an Uber driver who told me he watched one of my favorite documentaries, which is like What the Health or something like that. Yeah, a lot of people but he told me that from that documentary, the thing he remembered was that they said apparently in the documentary that eating eggs is like equivalent to smoking a cigarette or something like that. Yeah, so I'm done crazy. watching food documentaries because guess what? They're going to be extremely skewed to whatever the documentarian's personal health beliefs happen yeah. to be all right so i don't watch those documentaries anymore um <laughs> i don't do it yeah i don't know i like watching funny stuff oh and murder shows so like dateline nbc like what else what, forensic files i watched all of that so all the murder stuff like that's probably something that people don't know about me i'm like a murder a murder person not a murderer but like you know <laughs> like i'm like a fan of true crime yeah. There is a murder person. I am a murder person. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm a murder no, person. No, um, no, I'm a fan of true crime. Cause like, especially like, you know, oh, there's a really good one. This one I watched. Now this is unsettling. This is okay. called the confession tapes. I, I don't yeah. think I could watch it again because it's all people who you get to listen to their confession tapes. And if it was videoed, it's all real. If it was videotaped, you get to see portions of the video confession to me and the way they're framing the show is that these confessions were kind of coerced, not necessarily Mm -hmm. on purpose by the detectives, but kind of just due to some like bad uh, uh, interview practices and tactics. And now these people are just in jail forever. Like it's so anxiety producing, but I had to watch it. So I like watching those things. Yeah, I like law stuff, legal stuff. Yeah. Didn't see that coming, honestly. Sure. I, I didn't see that coming. Got it. If I'm running and you see me with my earbuds, I'm definitely listening to the podcast, My Favorite Murder. My Favorite Murderer. My Favorite, my favorite Murder. Man, I, Favorite Murder. Yeah. Vera Ross's Murder. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways, it's a good, if anybody knows that podcast, it's like a fantastic podcast and it's kind of lighthearted, even though it doesn't sound like it. You're cracking me up with this. It's That's too much. Good. I know it's weird, but there's a don't worry. There's like a whole subculture of us out there, so you'd never know it. But there's a, a lot of us. Subculture of us. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like. So you like funny things. We're, you like. Yeah. We're people. called murderinos. 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 Are you, are you yeah. serious? No, I'm totally serious. If you're a fan of the podcast Making a Murderer, you're called a murderino. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm learning some serious stuff right now. I guess. Right here. Sure. I guess. Sure. It's good. It's like weird. It like weirdly. If I feel like if I learn about it, then I'll like be armed with this knowledge of like how to avoid getting randomly murdered. I don't know. It's very weird. It's so wow. I don't know what it says about me psychologically, but a real treat here. There you We're go. Yeah. Real Some professional stuff. Amazing. That's what it's about. It's about finding things about people. It's like, you know, people's Netflix habits or their Hulu habits and stuff. Well, I think it's uh, What do you watch? Because now I feel like I should watch what you're watching. Yeah, yeah. No, you better watch what I watch. What okay? is it? <laughs> I'm a big documentary person. Okay, well, there you go. But I don't watch food documentaries either. You can't. I just, it's just not my thing. Right. I don't know. I just, I, I'm more of into documentaries about space. Oh. And uh, about like, um, you know, astrophysicists, uh, astral planes, just weird stuff. I like things. I'm not a big history person. Oh, see, I do. I like history. I like ancient, ancient history. I don't hmm. want revolutionary war stuff. I don't really. I'm Cause I would, that. I'm like world war one and up, man. Like that's my jam. 
too current for me. Got it. I don't know. It's it's. I want stuff that's like crazy old. Okay. Like, wow. But I I would say um, you know, I don't really watch a lot of sports stuff. Yeah, uh, me neither. I love sports in general. I like sports I documentaries though. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I don't know. I just I'm, for some reason I'm not. So, but I really like polarizing people. Like uh, you know. I, I watched that whole Ted Bundy thing. Ew, I haven't and, watched uh, that yet. That's weird. Holy cow, that was good. Okay. Man. That's the one on like, Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's now the thing. Zac Efron plays him in the movie. On I heard he's good. But I don't like to watch the ones that they make about the killer because I don't. I feel like I'm, like, honoring the killer. <laughs> and I don't want to, like, I don't care about Ted Bundy. He was horrible, so. Yeah, like, I'm honoring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that weird? That's weird. No, there it's you just go. what you feel. Yeah. It's just what you feel with it. Uh, but yeah, I, I do like watching that stuff. But you know, movie, I love sci- anything sci-fi. Hmm. Very sci-fi, like UFO, alien stuff. I'm all on it. Or probably my favorite show of all time. This is the drum roll on Hulu. Handmaid's Come Tale. on, Darian. That got too scary for me. I had I watched like thing. two seasons, I think. And then I was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm obsessed with it. Dang it. I That's good. I am literally obsessed. But you know what it is with me? I like watching the depth of human emotion, like <laughs> hopelessness, sadness, happiness, joy, you know. The whole spectrum. I, lo- I love it. So when somebody's like completely down and out, like, and I can, I think I like about this show is you can feel. The I mean, how much more down and out could it get, man? That's... Like, Like you could feel the. The, the feeling of no escape. Look, I will say that one of the scariest scenes of anything I've ever seen is one of those episodes in the show. You know when they did those flashbacks to like the time before, but like it was getting yes. close to the time when it got weird. Yeah, she's running with her friend. Do you know what I'm talking about? They yes, go out for this friend, and then they go to this coffee shop, and the guy yes. behind the counter like is so disgusted by these women that they would be out running that he like refuses to serve them and he has like really so the comments that he made oh i'm getting chills the comments that he makes to them put this feeling in the pit of my stomach like just alarm bells go off in that scene for me and that's the whole show for me it's very disconcerting it is my wife says the same thing yeah. she's like it takes me to a weird place it does I because just... it's not Let's not get political. This is the only thing I'm going to say. It's just not too hard to imagine, which is what's frightening about it. Exactly. It's what if this actually happened? Well, like, could it happen? And I think I'm obviously I would never want anything like that to happen. But I'm drawn to the semi-realism about it. Do you feel a certain like protectionism in that, though? Like if you like know about it, then maybe you can see the signs coming or something. Is that or is that getting too deep into it? No, no, it's it's not that. I just uh, like let's feel, look at I'm, the scary monster so we can like get familiar with it, sort of no, thing. I just, uh, I just, I, I really like the like the end of the rope for people. Oof. I really like that. Okay, I really like it in sense of like I like to understand it. Hmm. I like to. I, I guess I kind I kind of treat the same way how I work out in the sense like I've always been an extremely hard exerciser. Mm-hmm. I was a collegiate athlete, a runner, a sprinter. And I've always relished the moments where I was unsure about whether I could go anymore. Yeah. Like I'm at the end of my rope here. Like this is where, this is where is, am I doing this still Mm -hmm. or am I not, you know? And I kind of like, I like, I like being pushed to the limit. That's interesting. I like that take on those kind of scary subjects. Well, think about like, I, I call it kind of this, like with exercise, like, 
I don't mind drowning in exercise. I don't mind that feeling where I'm questioning whether I can go again. Right. Like I want, cause that there's clarity in that for me. And, and at that point, there's nothing else in the world that is penetrating my mind except for that feeling. Yes or no. Right. It totally blocks everything out. It blocks everything mm-hmm. out. And in, and in the handmaid's tale, it takes me to that place where, you know, I, I don't care. I'm spoiling it. Offered sure. the character. She's like, that that sense of despair mm-hmm. when she's laying in the closet and looking at the le- the the right oh that's right yeah and like the you can she doesn't have to say anything you just you think like am I ever gonna get out yeah of you're her? there with her you're there like they literally masterfully take you there to mm-hmm. that thought like is she gonna get out of yeah her? like and the the sentence this lifelong sentence of horrendous conditions and horribleness I connect with that in the sense that I I like to understand that feeling mm. that sounds sick I know no 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 I get what you're saying it's kind of like that you know those like survival stories and then you kind of put yourself yeah. in there like what would I do if I was in that position almost sort of yeah, it's in like, the, the, the lengths of human um uh psychology and the lengths of human sort of what's the word I'm looking for like fortitude yeah, the resilience. Mm-hmm. How would I survive? I think that's why I like a lot of Ken Burns documentaries oh, about. Yeah. Oh man, the Vietnam War one. That was on a good Netflix. one. It's yeah. like eighteen hours. Well, I had to watch that one. My stepdad's a Vietnam vet. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, so that was a very interesting. It was incredible. Documentary, yeah. I, just the you know the POWs and all that. I just I, I identify. I, I just with like again, it's not the same, but just like. I, I like to take myself to a place where I'm, I'm like, okay, how strong am I? Mm-hmm. How hardy am I mentally, uh, socially, emotionally? Right. And I think for me, that's not common for a lot of other people. They're like, I don't want any part of that. Sure. I don't, you know, I just, I just, I got, it, it, it gives me like a, a, a compass for me. I'm hmm. like, okay. And it blocks out everything else. It's like the clarity is incredible when you're at points like that. I bet. Yeah. I've never been, I mean, unless it's athletics, I've never been pushed to the point of, of that sort of like do or die. But yeah, the clarity, the, the little points that I have touched on, you're absolutely right. That intense clarity that you get in those moments is, is uh, very interesting. It is get interesting. It. Yeah. I think maybe, you know, and somewhere in your mind, in your life, you know, maybe there's points where you're questioning yourself and who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and I think in many of those ways you learn a lot through conflict I always tell my wife like we we don't have a lot of arguments throughout the years Mm -hmm. very rarely but when we do I always embrace it she hates it well because it's like what are you learning from it right yeah and I like conflict and that level because I feel like I learn from the conflict it pushes me to the next level of my maturity exactly And, but other people sometimes look at it as like, this is stupid. Like, why is this happening? I want to just avoid conflict. And I, I'm a, I'm a charger. I charge into it. Right. Hard. Yeah. Cause you're going to get out the other side for the better. Yeah. I don't want to cover it up. I want to meet it head on and I want to deal with it. And even if it doesn't feel good, I know it's going to push me to the next level mm-hmm. for that. So it's, I don't know. It's, I just think some people, you know, you're, you're, viewing habits of like Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff is very interesting to me because it reveals different things about people. Well, a lot of the time, honestly, too, I guess another big secret about me is like, I'm, I like to be lazy. So when I'm not doing a million things, I kind of just like to like do nothing. So it's either reading or watching something on Netflix. Something yeah, like lighthearted, I, you know? 
Yeah, no, totally agree. Well, uh, Vera, this was awesome, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm glad we didn't, you didn't give me any pre like scheduled questions. See? So much better. I was nervous about it. We're nervous. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this is on the fly. But no, so much better. 